Hello, and welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation. I'm Lori Steele. And I'm Joey Boudreaux. And we certainly appreciate you listening in to the Gifted Life Podcast. In 2016, we are looking so forward to all the different stories that we'll be hearing, the family times that we'll be sharing with our donor families, our recipients, and those waiting. But what a year 2015 was, and I'm so excited for what's to come, right? Absolutely. Yeah, especially with this podcast. This is one of the ways that we educate, we promote donation, and so we could use your help to get the word out. And 22nd episode. That's amazing that we've been on this long. Oh, well, they said 20 seconds, and I was like, yeah, it's pretty incredible, <laughs> right? Yeah, 22nd episode. Yeah. So that just um, shows you that the partners that we have, um, the people that we work with, it's a huge team effort, not only here in the state, but across the nation as That's well right. to make life happen. So we are proud, certainly, to be a part of it, and we want you to be a part of it as well. You can do that by spreading the word about this podcast. Spread the word, Lori. You can listen to us, pick us up on iTunes or Google Play or any of your favorite podcast apps. Yeah, and a lot of what we talk about, we put on our social media sites. That's the one way that we connect with the public. So Donate Life Louisiana is our Facebook page, Twitter and Instagram pages as well. We're at Donate Life LA. So do what you can. Help us make a difference where you are. We always encourage you to give feedback. Uh, most of you do that at info at lopa.org. Now, Joe, we have a new phone number for you to communicate with us better. That's right. Yeah. That number, Lori, is 504-648-3477. What's that, that Joe? That is 504 648 3477. So we'd love your feedback, questions, comments. You may even be featured on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Do it today. Coming up today, there is an effort by a filmmaker. It's a call to action film to help with donation, and it's incredible, and you can be a part. And then we'll have, of course, our family support segment, in which we'll have a a three-part series. We're going to be starting a three-part series about a topic that Sally knows a lot about. Yes, get ready to learn. We'll also honor a hero, as we do in every podcast. We'll take your questions and answers. And so much more here on The Gifted Life. Joey, I'm excited. Yep. In our community segment, we are talking about a movie tied to donation. Um, it's called The Wish Story of Hope, Faith and Generosity. And um, this is really having an impact on donation, which is amazing. And we have quite the guy to talk to about this project. Yeah, we do, Laura. We've got Mr. Ty Manns. He was a major in the U.S. Army. He was an infantry officer. And then he turned filmmaker from that. <laughs> Just like everybody. It sounds, sounds I mean, great. It seems like a normal progression, <laughs> I guess, huh? How's it going, Ty? Yeah, that, that, that's pretty much the normal progression. <laughs> Can you tell me what got you into filmmaking? Um, you know, I've, I've always enjoyed the, uh, the creative side of the world. Uh, when, when I was a young boy, my, my dad would buy me uh, comic books, Conan the Barbarian. Oh, yeah. And, and I would read them, and, and then I would tape over the bubbles and write my own stories in them. Yes. Uh, so I've been creating from the time I can remember. And um, as I progressed through, even though I was in the military, I, I still tried to learn how to write movie scripts. And um, a chance meeting one, one day on an airplane with an HBO exec, it just kind of turned that corner for me. He took me under his wing and started mentoring me. And 
20 years later, here I am making my own movies. Man, and what I love is that not only are you making your own movies, but you're making a difference as well. So we know that Donate Life America partnered with the independent film production company Creative Media Entertainment, and some of these call-to-action films were being created. So that's to entertain, to educate, and to inspire. And so we love that you kind of tackled donation and tackled it with such passion. So tell us about that. Yeah, um, you know, I'm, I've been uh, the organ donor uh, overseer at our church for a long time in that ministry. And um, I've worked with some of the local Georgia representatives here, and we just started talking about it. We just started trying to figure out, well, how can we reach more people? Times are changing, uh, knocking on doors, holding meetings, town hall-style meetings. It's, it's becoming more difficult because we're... we're we're moving to more of a, a technology world where people get most of the information from their cell phones, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. So we, we just started talking about how could we do something, and, and I, I just happened to one day throw out the idea to one of the local Georgia representatives here, well, why don't we look at maybe a short film? Why don't we look at something like that that wouldn't necessarily require someone knocking on the door. We could just send it to them in a link, and they can watch it on their cell phone. Oh, and the message would be there. The call for action would be there. And that's how it all started. The Wiz started that way. Uh, I wrote a 15, 20-page script. And, and, but it, somehow or another, it kept growing, and it kept growing. The script kept getting bigger and bigger. And before you know it, uh, we had a, a full feature film on our hand. And thank, you know, thank God that Donate Life America read it, enjoyed it, liked it. They could see the vision as well. And... And next thing I know, we're, we're partnering up to do this. Man, and I love it. We always talk about different people from different walks of life with different talents coming together to make life happen, and this is one of those stories. So let's talk about the wish. We know a high school teacher needing a kidney transplant, but can you give us a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's actually a couple. To, someone told me I wrote a love story. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, it, it wasn't meant to be a love story in the beginning. Uh, yeah. But it's a it's a couple, a young couple. Uh, they're they're high school sweethearts, and unfortunately, uh, Casey, the wife. Uh, when the story starts off, you start off with her recovering from treatment, and you you know we pick it up where she's already been diagnosed, and she knows that at some point she may need a kidney. And what you really see in the story is this bonding that happens between this couple. Uh, the, the wife is in, in desperate times. Her health is declining. But the husband, early in the film, he just doesn't get it. He's still focused on their everyday life. Things should always be normal. And throughout the course of the movie, he starts to move more to her direction. And, it, and it's through faith and that love between the two of them that keeps them together. And um, and then there's a happy ending at the end, and I won't give away. <laughs> but um, it's really uh, uh, people have told me, and then this is this is just from folks who view viewers' descriptions of it. It's it's a beautiful little love story. I can't wait. Uh, that's a tease, Ty. Absolutely. Oh. I can't wait to, to watch it. But as I understand, the Uplift channel on DirecTV is picking it up. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. We, um, we're in the process of finishing up all of the uh, the paperwork. Of course, contractually, there's a lot of paperwork. I bet. Uh, but, we, but, yeah, we were in a, um, 
faith-based film festival about two, maybe two and a half months ago down in Atlanta, uh, the Kingdomwood Faith-Based Film Festival, and they had representatives there from DirecTV, and after our screening, uh, the gentleman came up to me, and, and he sat, and we talked, and he was he just loved the movie. He said it was a perfect fit for the Uplift TV channel on DirecTV, and uh, so we've gone through the, the different gates since that point, and so now uh, we, we expect that we'll fall somewhere in late first quarter, early second quarter of their programming. So we're excited about that. And, and there's eight, Uplift TV, they have 18 million viewers. Wow, so yeah. that's, that's a lot of people we're going to reach and get this message out of. Uh, and yeah, it, even though the film, like I said, the, the movie itself, people say it's a love story, but the movie educates on Absolutely. organ donation. The movie inspires yep. on organ registration. So with having 18 million people being able to see this film, um, we're happy about that. There's a lo- that's a lot of folks that's going to get this inspiration, that's going to get this education, and that was the whole purpose of it. Think of the difference you're going to be able to make, which is incredible. So if you go right now, if you Google The Wish, Donate Life America, you can see a trailer there, which is a tease, and Ty's not telling us what's happening, so we're going to have to watch for that mm-hmm. Uplift TV channel on Direct TV. <laughs> but I can tell in that trailer that husband loves that wife. Oh, yeah. That's good. So I, I need to see more. So, Ty, we appreciate what you're doing. We appreciate your call to action films. Keep it up, buddy. Thank you. Yes, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. All right, and everybody watch for The Wish, a story of hope, faith, and generosity coming in the new year, 2016. We have reached our family support segment, and we do want to let you know that one of our roles in the Family Services Department is assisting families after a loved one dies and becomes a donor. Part of that has been acquiring knowledge about a variety of topics over the years to assist our families. And in this episode, we're beginning a three-part series on suicide. Oftentimes, we're called to support families of tragic and sudden brain injuries, and generally speaking, suicide victims suffer a brain injury of some sort, whether it's an anoxic injury or whether it's a traumatic injury. And Sally has been a longtime volunteer of a suicide crisis center uh, where she has supported some of the survivors or family members of suicide. And she's here today to talk about uh, warning signs, causes, and misconceptions surrounding suicide. Hey, Sally. Hi, Joey. Hi, Lori. How are you doing? Thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for having me again. I'd like to start by just saying that many times individuals find themselves in very serious life problems that they don't know how to get out of. And for some people, the hopelessness, the helplessness is so overwhelming, along with intense depression, that suicide for them is the only way they can see out. But it should also be noted that some people who die by suicide will not show any type of warning signs at all. But approximately 75% of the people who die by suicide do exhibit some warnings. And I'd like to talk about those just briefly. Mm -hmm. Many times you'll hear a friend or perhaps someone's child say, I just wish I hadn't been born. I'd be better off dead. Well, that sometimes may not mean anything except for I'm mad at you, mom and dad. 
But then again, it might mean a whole lot more, and it's something to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And um, you hear a lot more about this on social media mm-hmm. sites absolutely. as well. Now it's yeah. you know more in the forefront. Right. Yeah. Um, and many times people seek out lethal means, and that, what that means is access to guns, knives, other similar objects. And as you know, you know, access to guns is a pretty easy thing to do. People get preoccupied with death. It's an unusual focus on death, dying, violence. They'll write poems, stories about death. There's also, as I mentioned, the feelings of helplessness, hopelessness, and being trapped where people just say there's no way out. What can I do? Uh, No one really cares. Um, Many times it's the causes that create this situation. And by the way, it's not just one cause Mm -hmm. that creates that situation for a person. You find people do express many times self-loathing or self-hatred. They'll talk down on themselves. They're extremely negative. They just don't feel like they're worth anything. You know, they feel guilty. They feel shameful. They think people would be better off without them. And you've heard people Mm -hmm. say this, I think, Mm -hmm. before. You know, everybody just be better off without me. Mm -hmm. And also people that uh, kind of make the decision this is the route that they choose to take will start giving away their prized possessions, make arrangements for family members to, you know, carry out whatever it is they don't want to have anymore. Uh, And and by telling you all this, these are things that I did hear as a crisis counselor Mm. on a crisis line that people would call in and you would hear all these different things. And since our program was geared specifically toward high crisis situations, we were trained to listen very carefully. And, And was this something that we could hear in that person's voice that we knew that we really needed to do some further outreach to them. Of course, you get people that all of a sudden have been away from family and friends. They've withdrawn. They're socially isolated. And then next thing they're saying goodbye and calling their friends or their family and saying, I just want to say I might not ever see you again. All these sort of things that that as people begin to withdraw and make this decision – And then you find for many individuals, once that decision has been made, once they have made the chosen uh, lethal way out, they become happier. They're much more gregarious. Mm -hmm. And people go, oh, great, they're feeling better. They're no longer depressed. Now, the problem, though, with, with depression or with any type of untreated, excuse me, mental illness is that sometimes that's a lot harder to find than if you have a physical disability. That's easy to see, easy to identify, and lots of times because of the stigma still to this day that that people hide. Um, They don't want you to know that they do have a mental illness issue. And you talk about, you know, the varying levels or depths of being withdrawn and then start reaching out. It has to be pretty confusing to a family. You have to, you know, I can understand people misunderstanding that, you know, as saying, well, maybe everything's better now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and I think, too, as family members look at uh, some of the causes, it can be a death of a loved one, somebody being divorced, Mm -hmm. separated, any type of breakup of a relationship. Mm -hmm. I know that I've heard families speak of that before, that someone has chosen to take their life because of someone they really cared about, did not care about them. Also, there could be a loss such as, uh, serious loss such as uh, job, house, money, serious illness, accident, chronic physical pain, all these sort of things, low self-esteem, loss of hope, all come in. And I think one of the big things maybe 
is the inability to deal with a perceived failure. And many times we look at negatives rather than we do positives Mm -hmm. uh, and identify that more readily. But then I'd like to move on to some of the common misconceptions uh, about suicides that people who talk about it won't really do it. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. (laughs) People do talk about suicide because, you know, there always is that moment of thinking, you know, maybe somebody's going to help me through this Mm -hmm. because I don't know what to do for me anymore. So no matter how casual or jokingly it might be said, it's always, mm, I want to take it serious, Mm -hmm. okay? Also, another false uh, conception is anyone who tried to kill him or herself must be crazy, and and that is not true. I hear that one more than any other. Right, because they are not psychotic. Most are not psychotic. They're not insane. Most, though, are upset, grief-stricken, depressed, despairing. And extreme distress and emotional pain are are not necessarily a sign of a mental illness Mm -hmm. either. And also, if a person is determined to kill him or herself, nothing is going to stop them. Well, that's not the case either, because even the most depressed individual has mixed feelings about death. And most suicidal people do not want death, but they just want the pain to stop. That's really what happens for them. And then I think the last thing that I'd like to share is that Talking about suicide may give someone the idea. I've heard multiple people say that, and that's not the case. Because if you start, if you recognize and see some of these signs in individuals as a trusted friend or or a relative, please reach out and ask, what can I do to help you? And, And just be there for that person, and perhaps you can help make a difference in their life. And so I guess for those who are, who are listening and maybe they heard something familiar or saw something, uh, what should they do? Is there a number that we can call? Or Some of the helpful numbers to call are uh, 1-800-437-0303 or 225-924-3900. That's a crisis intervention center. There's a national hope line. They do have chat online with crisis counselors. Their number is 800-442-4673. And the last number I have is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That number is 800-273-8255. And we'll also have those numbers on our website for folks also. Thanks, Sally. And that website is www.lopa.org. Just click under our Resources tab. That's a lot of information to learn. We appreciate you sharing. And remember, this is just the beginning of this very important topic that we'll be discussing here on the podcast. So in the next podcast, we'll have more with Sally. We'll be talking about adapting. Uh, But maybe she mentioned something that um, you would like to know a little bit more about. Remember, you can always send us a question, comment at info at lopa.org. It is now time in the podcast to honor a hero. We do this in every podcast. We think it's important. Remember, lopa.org, faces of donation, and there you can see all of our heroes, and you can read their stories, see their faces. Today, we're focusing on Kelly Johnson. I want to tell you a little bit about him, and this comes from the family. He was a 53-year-old hero. He was a man of few words, yet he touched the hearts of many. He was a loving husband and best friend for 35 years. He gave life to two wonderful children. He was a big Raging Cajun fan, tailgated at those UL games, so he will be missed there. His work ethic will live on in those that he knew. He chose to give life when his was taken, given sight to someone who couldn't see. And the family says this, this is pretty powerful, Joey. No one is ever prepared to let a loved one go. 
but you gave us all strength to go on with the courage, wisdom, memories, and a legacy that we will all cherish until we meet again. At this point in the podcast, let's pause and say thank you to Kelly Johnson for the gift of life. Question and answer time, Joe. Hey, Laura. Yeah, so we brought in the big gun Sally on this one. Yeah, we thought she was the best person for the job on this one. The question is, will my letter to my donor family have a negative impact? Sal? Every family member that I speak with that has received a letter from the recipient is absolutely thrilled. They're so happy to know that the person is doing well. Mm They're happy to know more about their family, their background, and I have yet to have any family member find it distressful. It may be very emotional. Most family members find it very consoling to hear from the recipient of their loved one, and they look forward to receiving it. Sometimes we have families that will ask us, uh, how soon can we write? Can we write to them first, or will we hear from them? And on occasion, we've had a family that will say, I've not heard anything from the recipients. Why is that? Do they not want to talk to us? Mm -hmm. And so we do have to talk sometimes about the healing process, both physically and emotionally. But it does not create a negative atmosphere for the family to write. So we encourage recipients when they're ready Mm -hmm. to reach out, say thank you by card, by note, by letter, whatever's most convenient for them. And there you have it from the expert. We also have tips to writing uh, to that donor family on our website, lopa.org. Maybe you have something more for Sally. You want to learn more? Info at lopa.org. Another episode of The Gifted Life has come to a close, Joe. We want to certainly give a special thanks to Ty Manns, an Army major, infantry major, and in turn filmmaker, It's so nice that he's become a call-to-action filmmaker and that he's chosen a topic that's so near and dear to our hearts and chosen The Wish, a film about organ donation and transplantation. I can't wait to watch. It's going to be on DirecTV on Uplift Channel. It should be coming soon. The Wish, story of hope, faith, and generosity. All right, so we are into January. Do we still do resolutions by the 22nd of January? I try. (laughs) What do you try to do? Uh, Every once in a while, I I try to uh, work out more, uh, eat eat better, and be an overall better person. So it it doesn't always work out. (laughs) I try, though. But you can try, and that's a valiant (laughs) effort, maybe. I'm a good guy. Uh, But hey, I'm a good guy. Okay, (laughs) we'll go with that. Uh, But hey, I wanted to say um, to your resolution list, if you could add promoting donation more. Do one more thing that you hadn't done to help spread the word. Let's do that. Let's do it. That's one resolution you could stick with, man. That's an easy one. Yeah, and it can be as simple as sharing this podcast or sharing something that you see posted on our Facebook page or on Twitter or Instagram. Go out and do something today that you don't normally do to help make life happen. And thanks for listening here on The Gifted Life. Thank you.